1: Well, welcome, I'm Tony Sager with the Center for Internet Security, and welcome to our podcast, Cybersecurity Where You Are. So our goal is to provide some insight and some entertainment in a way that uh, makes sense to you and not uh, burdened with uh, gobbledygook and the high-tech terminology. So today we're gonna uh, take on an easy topic, one that's not particularly controversial, that of election security. <laughs> so, uh, and I can't say that without uh, with a straight face. And so joining us in our discussion today are two members of the CIS team, uh, Kathy Bukvar and uh, Marcy Andino. Uh, Kathy, Marcy, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thanks, Tony. Thank
0: Thanks you. Sure.
1: And if you could, uh, just to get us kind of warmed up here, if uh, Marcy, if you could start, give us a little bit about your background in this in this area and what you're doing today with CIS. Okay. Great.
0: Thank you. Um, so. Today And for the last uh, two-plus months, I have been the Senior Director of the EII SAC, and that's the Election Infrastructure Information and Information Sharing and Analysis Center. And prior to that, I spent uh, 19 years as the State Election Director uh, for South Carolina. I was the state's chief state election official, And that term has different meaning in every state. South Carolina is very much top down. So we were very involved with counties. We had supervisory authority over counties. And we were responsible for basically all of the systems that they used. We had a statewide voter registration system as well as a statewide voting system. Um, and we also were mandated to do a training and certification program. So we were very much hands-on in that process. Um, prior to that, I held various uh, different positions within the agency, and I taught for a technical college and worked for a global systems integrator. So I've, I think all of those things together are part of the reason as to why I'm here today.
1: What? Yeah, wonderful, great background. Marcy is certainly a frontline, a frontline front worker in this uh, really tough area of of uh, cybersecurity. And Kathy, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Thanks so much, Tony. So I'm proud to uh, at CIS be the vice president of election operations. Really glad to be here. CIS has been a terrific partner uh, across the country in election security, um, which I was happy to partner with them, uh, us firsthand in in the last several years. So I come from being secretary of state of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, where I also was chief election official, doing a lot of the same things that Marcy talked about, um, working closely with state, local and federal election and security officials to make sure that we were ensuring that every voter can can be confident that their vote is securely and accurately counted. I also oversaw professional licensure, the State Athletic Commission, um, and uh, and a number of other things for the state of Pennsylvania. And I'm a recovering lawyer, so uh, don't hold that against me. Um, but I practiced law for many years, both everything from employment law to voting rights law. Um, and actually, you know, my first job in elections was as a poll worker. So done a lot of different things, really glad to be working at CIS.
1: Yeah, thanks, Kathy. That's great. Again, another another uh, uh, real life experience in in all this. And don't worry, we we have a lot of recovering uh, lawyers on staff here, and so it, it doesn't disqualify you from all the great things that we're doing here. Marcy, let me go back to uh, you. You made a comment about uh, uh, every state and the the top down nature of. Uh, South Carolina, you know, so so this area was completely unknown to me just a couple of years ago. And there's been a lot of surprises. And one of them was how decentralized and how different this is, right, that there's no national election. There's there's some thousands of local elections and often run differently. Can you tell me a little bit about the, the sort of different models of governance or the the different kinds of structures that one might see in different states or different localities?
0: Um- Sure. And that's a good question. And I think uh, you made a very valid point that elections are conducted at the county level. And in South Carolina, it's and in in many other states as well, that's they're doing the same thing and using the same equipment, voting equipment. Um, But in some states that decision is made on a county-by-county basis. For instance, they may use an optical scan, a true hand-marked paper ballot solution in one county where the next county has a ballot marking device or has some other type of uh, device. It also uh, varies uh, who the chief state election official is. It may be the Secretary of State. It may be an independent agency that's responsible for elections. And the authority and the duties that they have vary from state to state as well. So it's really a a variety. And then in some states, uh, especially up in uh, the New England area and Wisconsin, elections are conducted by town clerks. So they may have 1800 town clerks conducting an election in one one state. So uh, there are lots of moving parts when it comes to conducting elections. And a lot of people have responsibility for the conduct of elections.
1: Yeah, that was that was a a surprise uh, to me, you know, professionally. Again, the the closest I came to election security was I think sometime in the mid 80s. I wound up studying the software in an early uh, prototype uh, computer based voting machine and um, uh, I'll have to admit my experience was the software was dreadful, but, but you know, things have improved a lot, <laughs> lot since then. So, uh, Kathy, so the, Marcy talked about the, the responsibilities, right, the roles and responsibilities. And again, another surprise to me was the number and variety of stakeholders and what their responsibilities were and how that could affect the way that election is conducted. Can you share with us a little bit of insight on the, the different players, you know, when, when, when the layperson thinks... Um, Uh, the the election security, they think of the voting machine, but it turns out that's a relatively uh, fixed part of a really complex system.
2: Yeah. Complex is is a good word. And it's also a really strong layered system, um, Mm -hmm. which is great. So, you know, the stakeholders are you know, tremendous. And I I have to say, you know, one of the things, one of my favorite parts about working uh, as Secretary of State was the collaboration, the cross-sector collaboration with many of the stakeholders and partners involved. So Pennsylvania is a decentralized system. So we have 67 counties and every one of those counties ran their own election Um, and did so though in, you know, it was really a partnership of, I, I often talked about both the vertical and horizontal collaboration that we had. So, you know, vertical, federal, state, and local, and horizontal across all 67 counties and of course across the country. Um, so for example, we had a um, just to give you a sense of the ecosystem involved, we had a state level um, election security and preparedness work group that included Department of State, the Governor's Office, the Office of Information Technology, but it also included the Pennsylvania Emergency Management Association, the National Guard, the veterans veterans agency that oversaw veterans work. Um, We also included the the State Auditor, not the Auditor General, the Inspector General. So we had partners across the board so that if National Guard was aware of something, they were sharing it with the Department of State and vice versa. And the counties, we actually, through tabletop exercises and lots of statewide efforts, also made sure that the county level, that the county election directors knew who their emergency management personnel were and who their law enforcement were, so that they could be prepared you know, not just in the election, you know, in the precincts, but on the streets and around so that everybody was in sync. So there are a tremendous number of stakeholders. And, of course, at the federal level, you have the Department of Homeland Security and CISA, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, that was a critical partner, in addition, of course, to CIS CIS. Um, throughout the last many years, since elections were declared critical infrastructure, and that's just a tiny piece of it, Tony. Right? There's there's so many other stakeholders, but those are key.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and uh, you know, again, when I, when I first had a look at all this, it was like, wow, how how do you get all these people to cooperate? So, so you each had a different. You know, came from a different background. It just occurred as you as you described it, sort of a top down and then a, a more decentralized. But you know, my, I'm guessing Marcy that you had no less communications challenges and coordination challenges than Kathy did. Right? There were sort of two different models, but you still have to deal with all these different agencies, different services, both horizontally and vertically. Any any, any other observations about that challenge from your prior experience?
0: Um. We did many of the same things that they did in Pennsylvania that Kathy was talking about. And I think since uh, really 2016, and, and security is not new to election officials, but I think 2016 was kind of the game changer and cybersecurity became more of a discussion and a focal point but we were already aware of cybersecurity threats and doing things, but we amassed a large team of both federal, state, and some private cybersecurity. We met with law enforcement, uh, intelligence agencies, other state agencies work with the National Guard, and it was all um, all of these agencies working together helped um, strengthen the resilience and the security of the critical elections infrastructure in the state And, you know, we're talking South Carolina and Pennsylvania specifically, but this was happening all across the country uh, in every state. And there was a lot of coordination among states to make sure that if somebody had a good idea that we didn't have to reinvent the wheel, we could repeat it and replicate it in other states as well. So there's been a lot of changes in the last really five, almost six years, Um, but just to reiterate security is not new in elections. It's just become the hot topic lately.
1: Yeah, and I think what most people don't appreciate is that you know, this is not an every two year or four year activity, right? You, you don't do the things that you two described, you know, a few months before the election. This is a year round 24 seven know, sort of uh, focus that it takes to bring all this together. Now Kathy, you, you had said something about layering, right? You know, so, so there's a, a view of security, right? I, I can control everything. And or I can, um, you know, have enough layering that if I make a mistake in one spot, I I hope that I pick it up. And it is, you know, on balance, is is the decentralized nature of this a positive or negative in terms of thinking about the security of the overall system? Do you have an impression one way or another?
2: That's a great question, Tony. I you know it's it's one of those things that there are advantages and disadvantages for sure. I. I do think that the decentralization helps add to the security because a- as long as you make sure that there's sufficient resources and support that goes out to all the levels. Um, so for example, in Pennsylvania, like Marcy was describing, um, so for us, they're, they're the counties, the, the Department of State had the authority to certify which voting systems, for example, Are allowed to be used that meet the highest standards of security and accessibility, but among those, you know, ten some odd systems that we certified, the 67 counties could choose any of those systems to operate. So, in some ways, so if you and and each of those ten some odd systems might have had three different configuration options. So, in effect, you've got 25, you know, some odd different. Um, configurations of voting systems across the state that voters might vote on, which you can imagine, if you're a bad actor, it's harder to try to, uh, you know, uh, hack into 25 different configurations than it is if you have one. So as long as the, you know, but that's just one example. So that's an example where decentralization, I think, actually is helpful. Um, but I think. You know there are there are standards that you want to make sure. It's a little disconcerting, I think, for most of us that a voter in South Carolina um, votes differently than a voter in Pennsylvania. That you might have different hours of elections being open. You have different different allowances for mail voting. Um, so you know I think the key here is having is having a balance. There should be certain things that we across the country as Americans should all be able to rely on as the the baseline standards for voting. And then with the recognition that each state could then add its own local, um, you know, needs and increases from that base. Does that make sense? Yeah, I,
1: no, absolutely. You know, it actually is, uh, you know, so, you know, I'm an old dog in computer security, right? And Uh, This exactly parallels the the sort of centralized, decentralized argument around security. And uh, another parallel is um, what we call the monoculture uh, argument, right? If you make everything the same and sort of manage it the same, then you have the most control and visibility of it. At the same time, one mistake then cascades dramatically across the entire system, right? So it it came up in the, you know, as everything moved to Windows, it's like, no, we need to let a thousand flavors of Linux bloom, you know, or, or whatever. And there's no singular answer to this, and somewhere, you know, the workable answer is some level of standardization, right? Because you're still managing assets, you're managing technology, and you, you have to have some level of uh, knowledge, vulnerability, and control. At the same time, you have to allow for local uh, situations, and uh, you know, sort of the customization, yeah, and resources, and and everyone is unequally resourced. So, so you know, it takes a lot of groundwork then to do the, the sort of human integration, right? The coordination that you guys described is what can make it work. And, uh, you know, what we often forget in, in cyber defense is that complexity is not a friend of the attacker either. That is, they have to deal with a lot of, uh, you know, there's a, again, there's no easy answer here, but a, a bit of complexity also raises their visibility. The opportunity to see them right log them uh, block them cause them to take action which is you know sort of undoes what they do and their the value of their reconnaissance goes down the more dynamic uh, the system becomes so so there's a lot of parallels to that there but as you said my you know it's an area that uh, and this is true of a, of a number of other sectors where security has always been a part of it as marcy said right this we've always thought about security but in a modern age where the information is more accessible, the technology is more um, you know, off the shelf, then you have a different set of problems that we're, that we're dealing with here. So, so Marcy, given all that, I'll come back to you. Why should voters have confidence? What are the things that sort of bring confidence in your mind? I always said elections are a funny, uh, a funny domain, you know, that all this, it only has one output, right? The result of the election. And there's only one property of that output that matters. It's the confidence that we have as citizens. That our elections are fair. So, so give me some give me some optimism here or reasons to, to think positively <laughs> about the confidence that we have.
0: Um, well, I think, uh, you know, we started off talking about um, security is not new. And uh, there are uh, dozens and dozens of ways to get to that endpoint of having good results. And, you know, there's security built into the system at every level. Uh, whether it's the voter registration database, and and really the voter registration databases have expanded to it's more of election administration these days, and there are multiple layers of security there, um, you know, from system type controls right down to user and user training. But uh, election officials have to go through and uh, they have to track a lot of information. It's not seasonal work. There are elections just about every Tuesday somewhere in the country. So there's a lot of practice. And in many cases, you know, these elections are conducted by election professionals. And in, in some counties and in some states, they have other jobs as well. But everybody takes this very seriously, and they get the required training, and they have, for the most part, the uh, resources that they need. Of course, I'm not going to say they couldn't use more resources, uh, but, you know, they they are supported at the state state and local levels. So back to that voter registration, it's really voter registration and election administration. They're managing lots of moving parts, and all of these parts – Fit together. Everything has to be accurate so that they can process voters and put them in the right districts. Make sure that they're uh, going to the correct polling place or they're going to get the correct type of ballot. Uh, there's training at every level from poll workers who are basically volunteers, and and on election day, uh, election profess full time election professionals are handing off to volunteers. They should be well trained. And, you know, things run smoothly. There are hiccups along the way, um, but the basics are there and there are audits, there are reconciliations, there are all types of checkpoints along the way to make sure that at the end of the day that the results that you're seeing are accurate and correct.
1: Yeah, same uh, same question back to you, Kathy. Uh, give Give me some optimism here, some reasons to have confidence in the outcome of the election.
2: Sure. Yeah. You know, Tony, I look at this as there's four buckets why every, every voter should have confidence about when they come out to vote. And I look at this as the people, the process, the science and the math. So let's start with the people, the people that run our elections. Are our friends and our neighbors? They're the people who are coaching our kids on our soccer teams, and they're in our, you know, they're sitting next to us in our churches and synagogues. These are who are running our elections, the people. The processes they use, as Marcy described, are time-tested and have been done for decades in our states. And only, you know, sort of the the games continue to be upped as the processes get better and better. But for example, you know, there's been a lot of talk about voting by mail. Voting by mail is nothing new, right? And for example, in Pennsylvania, you have to apply to get a ballot. You're checked against the driver's license database or the social security database. You're checked against the voter database. There are so many levels of authorization and qualification checking before you even get a ballot. Okay, so and that's across the board. So you've got the people, the process, then the science, right? So science, we've got cybersecurity, you know, that has continued to be improved and improved across the country. We've got logic and accuracy testing of the voting systems. We've got all kinds of checks to make sure that the the science game is as high of a standard as it could be. And fourth, the math. As Marcy said, we've got audits. Audits are mandated in almost every state across the country in different ways to make sure that we're looking at those ballots after the fact, a statistically significant sample, and making sure that the results com- you know, compare favorably with the results of the, of the, that were announced previously. So between the people, the process, the science, and the math, every voter should feel very confident that their elections are secure.
1: Yeah, I think there's, uh, again, for the, for the general populace, right? they have no idea of the complexity, the energy, the, the work that has gone into all these kinds of mechanisms that are, are there. And there's not one, there's, there's many, and in, in layers, as you described, that doesn't make them uh, easy to describe or easy to manage. That just means there's a lot there. Some of it's historical, some of it's you know, by intention. Uh, and uh, yes, as an old math wonk. I appreciate the uh, the power of the statistics, you know, to to help us understand, right? The 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 intention of the population that's um, you know that's being represented here. So I've really in, enjoyed that. I think uh, Marcy, you made a made a point, and and Kathy, you reinforced it, right? The, everyone I've met that works elections is, uh, with all respect intended, uh, is a little crazy. I mean, this is this is not. You could pick an easier way to make a living, to be honest, right? Uh, it, it is uh, not something you do for the glory or the riches. Obviously, it's because you care about our, our society, our way of life, or you know the, the the democracy has meaning, and and therefore you you choose to do that. So, I think that's uh, it speaks well to the good intentions, the the energy that people are willing to put into it, and I think that that's, that's what, you know people make claims about you know, the integrity of uh, databases or things like that, but they don't look at the totality of what goes on, right? The verification processes, the human steps. And I think that's uh, important for people to get a a sense of what that is. Does not make it perfect. We, you know, uh, we don't build perfect systems in any other domain of our lives, right? We can send people to the, you know, to other planets, frankly, with, uh, you know, with imperfect with our imperfect ability to build complex engineering and uh, software systems and uh, but we can do that with some within a margin of decision error, right that is that gives us enough confidence to take action upon it so let, let's let's give a little friendly advice out there to the audience uh, sort of the top three top five things that you would encourage election officials to uh, to do, put in place, implement uh, you know to help uh, ensure the integrity of the voting process and and build confidence in uh, with uh, Marcy, let me let me ask you to go first on that. Just just give me a couple of ideas here that the things that people really ought to be doing.
0: Well, I think and it's you can start about, with. By
1: the way, I'm sorry. You can start with join the ISAC. <laughs> that that would be a perfectly valid one, two, or three.
0: Well, I was going to say to take advantage of all of the federally funded uh, products and services that the ISAC offers. Uh, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I was going to kind of save that for last. But that that's a oh, given. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think it's important um, to train and to raise awareness. And that's not just mm-hmm. um, people, you know, training certainly of all election workers at every level, whether it's state, county, township, and right on down to your poll workers. And I think that's really mm-hmm. important because, you know, that's where the rubber meets the road on election day. All of the training and all of the things that we hear all year round about security um, are good. And they may resonate with people who do this full time, but on election day, these poll workers are basically volunteers, but they get Mm -hmm. the job done and we could not run elections without them, but they need that training. You know, they may not be hearing about cybersecurity and they may not hear about strong passwords and, two-factor authentication and all of the things that you know we hear about every day so i think raising the awareness of cybersecurity and making them know that it's okay if they see something they should say something uh, because there are they're the eyes and the ears out on the street on election day and i think that's really mm-hmm. important so i would start Absolutely. there and okay. uh let Kathy weigh in on this. I, we can go back and forth probably all day with uh, things to do. All
1: right, Kathy, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a chance to add to that.
2: Sure. I mean, Marcy mentioned um, multi-factor authentication. You know, so some of the things you know, I would say, you know, do tomorrow, right? If you don't have multi-factor authentication or strict password um, requirements, yeah, does it take longer? Sure, but I mean that alone gives you so much more protection. Make sure that there's mm-hmm. multi-factor authentication, strong password protections, um, mm-hmm. and then you know to the more complicated but easy still to do. You know, as Marcy mentioned, we have so many um, federally pr- federally funded. Free to the election jurisdictions tools such as, you know, malware, email, and web web browser protection so that if somebody tries to send you ransomware or other malware, it will block it, right? Every day we see this stuff in the news. So go on to the CIS website and sign up for EDR or MDBR or reach out to get more information because these are free to election offices across the country. Um, so, and and I and I'll just... doubly, um, I think Marcy mentioned phishing, uh, training, Mm -hmm. you know, phishing, we know is one of the most frustrating ways as an election administrator that, that bad actors get into your system because you click on a link, train your staff not to do that. And it train them over and over and over again, um, because eventually it does become, become second nature. Um, but you need to make sure that everybody understands how significant a risk that is.
1: Understood, and and Marcy, let me apologize again for for taking your your uh, cl- uh, closing point and uh, and stealing your <laughs> thunder a but, but anything you, you care to add to to Kathy's list now?
0: Well, I I think the uh, the training and they counties and states and uh, townships, they have to bring in so many seasonal workers just to meet the demands. And it's important that those seasonal uh, workers are also trained, you know, and that it brings up the, um, the, the risk of insider threats. And I think that's something that Um, is becoming more and more prevalent. People want to learn more. Elections are public processes and we always invite voters and anybody who's interested in the process to come and observe those things that Kathy was talking about, like the logic and accuracy test, because so they can be armed with accurate information. Um, But, you know, that also adds a risk as well. And um, I think chain of custody is another um, area that election workers need to be very, very skilled at. They need to track every piece of equipment, every asset that they have. Um, all of the ballots, um, everything so that they there's a clear chain of custody. They know where every piece of equipment is at every moment. And that builds trust in the system when you know they're able to account for every piece of paper that's sent out. So I think those are all good things and improving physical security as well. We've been focused on cybersecurity, but an important part of that is just do you have a good lock on the door? Do you know who's coming and going and accessing the equipment? So um, some of it's just common sense, it's equivalent to locking your door, and locking the deadbolt at night. Uh, but these are all things that election officials really have become very skilled at and uh, should always continue and should continue to raise awareness with uh, their staffs and their seasonal workers as well.
1: Yeah, I think, and you made a point in there, Marcia, I'll I'll follow up on uh, this this notion of transparency of process, right? This is a a bedrock principle for for CIS also, you know, which is we are not a uh, ivory tower think tank dreaming up things in some, you know, back room of a, uh, PhDs dreaming these up. We're part of the community. And so what we um, pull together is a, you know, is a best practice, you know, opinion of lots of really smart people looking across a really broad range of both threats and opportunities. And so um, m- making that as open as possible is a big part of the trust that we try to generate it, at CIS. You know, I always say, you know, I, took a, I had to take a management class once in my career. And, you know, I le- the only thing I remembered was trust is a function of both Uh, Character incompetence, when we talk about human beings, right? It's not only uh, are you able to do the right job, but will you do the right job, right? Can I count on your character in addition to your ability? And if you don't have both, then you don't have trust. You don't have confidence in in that person. And if you extend that to what we're talking about today or to cyber in general, so I always keep that in the back of my mind. So how are we generating the technical uh, confidence that people should have, but also the character, right? How do we behave? And part of that is transparency. How do we make that you know, clear that you know, there's no, nothing hidden here? We want people to find the problems so we can fix the problems. And that's a part of the, the, the way that we operate here at CIS. So, and uh, so, so Kathy, you're the newest member of the leadership team here at, the, at CIS, I think. Um, and you, you've run out of time to play the new person card, but any surprises when you came on board at CIS? You know, so you, you dealt with us extensively from your prior jobs in Pennsylvania, and now you're 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 on the inside here. Is there a, a crushing disappointment, a, you know, <laughs> delighted surprise? What, what do you got for us here at CIS? Any any surprises or any uh, observations?
2: You know, I think um, I think my biggest surprise is some of the things that, even though I was very aware of CIS as Secretary of State, um, there were so many things that I actually had no idea that CIS provided. And so, in my my biggest surprise is the range, scope of services and tools that CIS offers that are not quite, have not quite gotten through to election officials across the country, because I know if I, who worked very closely with CIS in many ways, didn't know about them, and Marcy and I have been speaking with a lot of election officials since we got here. there's just a lot that folks don't realize. So for example, you know I mentioned the the malware email and web browser protections that are free to election offices. I had no idea as secretary of state of Pennsylvania that these services existed. For now, Pennsylvania, you know, has a lot of them covered, but a lot of the local jurisdictions may not as I mentioned, you know, there's decentralization. So one of my goals here, and Marcy, and you know, and I have been talking a lot about this is, you know, how do we make sure that we're really that all the election offices are taking advantage of all the resources that we offer, um, and that they're engaged in the ISAC and beyond.
1: Yeah, no, that's a that it's a great theme, and and part of what we try to do at CIS, and you've really stated it right, is that uh, people are already drowning in information yeah and they don't have hours in the day to scour websites and read every document that might be of interest in their inbox and and so to the extent that we can help clear some of that clutter up and help people focus in on these are the services you need to have running this is the information you need to train your people on you know then 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 there's power in that because of the you know we have a we hold a particular place in the ecosystem right a, a position of trust and so we should really make sure that we um uh, you know, use that for good. And so I think that that's fair. And both of you have the experience of sort of being on the other side than coming in. Anything to add to that, Marcy? Did you have any surprises when you came on board a few months ago?
0: Um, lots of surprises. It's a, uh, you know, I was involved. I was a member of the EII SAC and uh, um, i felt very welcomed coming in and i felt like everybody worked as a team and everybody is committed to working together to support the integrity uh, of elections and to increase public trust um, i came from an environment where election of professionals were nonpartisan uh, you know they their their first goal was to make sure that you know the voter came first, and uh, you know I see that at CIS, and I see how passionate people are about uh, wanting to increase security and have good quality elections that people can trust, and I appreciate that. So that uh, it mirrors my the the mission that you know and the and the goals that I've had for years, and I think uh, Kathy as well. I think uh, it's a it's a testament to cis that they want to bring on election officials to better understand the environment it is a different environment you touched on that earlier tony and and how different it is from one state to another so i am feel fortunate just like kathy to be here and uh you know look forward to spreading the good word and doing good work and making elections more secure in the future
1: yeah yeah well well said marcy yeah we're we're um you're part of a uh, sort of a, a bigger theme at CIS, right? Which is, again, recognizing, solving these big national problems is more than technology. You know, you can have old computer wonks like me telling you, you have this kind of software and this sort of controls and all that sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, security and insecurity are system effects, right? They, they are a function of real life and how things get put together and the actions of human beings and the, the, the confidence the public has, for example, in the work that you do. And so you, you have to temper the technology with all these other factors. And, you know, we can, I have friends from the 70s in computer security and bless their hearts, uh, you know, hey, we solved that problem back in the 1970s with this, you know, very fancy, mathematically verified operating system, blah, blah, blah. You know, and I get it. I mean, some of the most brilliant people I know worked, worked on some of these problems and they're sort of right. They solved the problem. They solve the technical problem, but that doesn't solve the social problem that we have of confidence or you know, our ability to operate our economy. And so I I, uh, I think that's a you know a lot to think about. But it's also you know bringing folks like you into the team brings us that real life on the ground you know sort of thing. And as I said earlier, what well, you know why a rational person would choose to work in election security it might escape me because there's got to be an easier way to make a living. But you know I can hear it in both of you, right? This you know this is not you know we're here for a reason this is a mission this is a calling right to do something this is about our way of life and how our children will live and their children will live and so you can feel that in the people that I've met that work election security. And you guys are perfect examples of that. And uh, we'd like to think that's part of the spirit that really drives us here at, at CIS. So, so thanks for picking up on that, Marcy. And I know, Kathy, how you feel about that. So let me offer you guys a lightning round. We'll close up here. Just one last minute or thought on something that you would like to reemphasize or that, that we didn't talk about today that maybe we could, you'd like to, to mention and we could come back for another day to talk about. Kathy, I'll let you you'll open up any, any one minute lightning round for you.
2: Sure. I'll follow up on the people aspect of it that you were talking about. Um, You know, Election officials, the, the thing about election officials at, at every level is that they're heroes of our democracy and it's, they are underpaid and underappreciated. Now we're dealing with threats, uh, you know, all the time. I mean, this is just it's become a very toxic environment. So they are all the more the heroes of our democracy without those election officials. We literally would not have a democracy, and you know I want to encourage. I want to a thank everybody who's out there who have you know been involved in elections at any level from poll worker, as I mentioned, that was my first job in elections, um, to the highest levels, because they are the ones who make sure that every one of us can exercise our fundamental right to vote. Um, and on that note, I want to urge everybody that if you haven't tried it. Please, if you're if you're available on election day, and a lot of employers these days are are you know giving giving uh, their staff some time off, um, particularly if you volunteer to be a poll worker. Please volunteer to be a poll worker. We had record. Thank God, we had record numbers of volunteer poll workers in 2020. You know, because during the pandemic, of course, it was that much more complicated to make sure that. You know that because a lot of the poll workers are often of an older age and they were afraid of you know covid understandably so we're now in a more stable place if you can get out there and and become a poll worker you can look on your your state your state department of state might have a website where you could sign up or your county might have that um and if you reach out if you reach out to us reach out to me through cis i'm happy to help get you there, but you will never feel more like you're part of the wheel of democracy than you do when you're sitting there in the precinct, helping every American exercise their right to vote. So please volunteer to be a poll worker.
1: <laughs> a Wonderful public service announcement there, Kathy. Uh, Marcia, anything to add? One minute, the uh, lightning round statement for you.
0: Um, I echo what Kathy said and um, appreciate so much what, um, local election officials and, 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 and poll poll managers do. And they are, they became frontline workers last year. They were afraid of COVID. um, And, and, you know, they, but they were out there doing the job and we couldn't do it. We could not run elections without them. Um, And, you know, the passion, I've heard that from election officials across the, across the country. Some people stay in elections, and some people come and go quickly. But those that stay, they have that passion. And I've seen the passion at CIS and within the EIISAC. And I'm glad to be part of that. And, you know, just want to remind election officials to take advantage of these free or federally uh, funded services um, to help build a stronger elections critical infrastructure, um, because that's how we can build trust in
1: elections. Yeah, wonderfully said, both of you. And thank you both for the work that you're doing. This is uh, again, this, you know, I'm, I'm old enough now to start seeing what's, what's what's coming for the next generation and the generation after. And my I can hear my uh, two granddaughters off in the distance here. So I'll go join them in a second. But I really appreciate the the hard work that folks do in this, and you, you two in particular. Thanks for joining us here at CIS. So I'll, I'll wrap up today. And we'll wrap up today's episode of uh, Cybersecurity Where You Are. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you, Marcy, for joining us. I'm sure there'll be other things we'll, to talk about in the future. So I look forward to welcoming you both back at some point here. And for the audience, uh, thank you for joining us. You can. Find us, subscribe to us in the usual podcast sort of ways. I'll let you figure that out. And uh, until next time, though, I'm Tony Sager with the Center for Internet Security. Thank you for joining us. Catch you soon. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to the show today. If you are interested in learning more about how to grow your cybersecurity program, the free tools available to help you on your journey or to get involved with the CIS volunteer community, visit our website at cisecurity.org. Start secure and stay secure.